to another episode of the Alchemist podcast, an extension of the blog Alchemist in the Making. I'm your special host today. I'm Gina He. Interested in architecture's relationship with anything and everything. In this special collaborative series titled Is It What You Want Good? We are interested in having conversations on whereabouts of people's journey in and around architecture. Today, we are joined by a special guest, Isabella Singo. She is a graduate of architecture. She's a writer. She's an advocator. She's a curator mm-hmm. and producer. How exciting. So today, we'll explore a lot of topics. So I'm going to pass the mic to Bella for her to introduce herself. Hi, everyone. I'm Bella. How formal, Gina. Isabella. I don't think I've remembered anyone calling me Isabella for years now, but... Um, I don't know how, what shall I say to introduce myself? Well, I'm a graduate of architecture. I'm currently working in a firm and I am a sessional staff at Monash. I think Gina has oversold me. I don't know <laughs> if I would call myself all those things. I guess I do those things. <laughs> but at what point do you call yourself those things? I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Bella and I, we met in the art and design program and basically the fate has caught us and we just we just been friends ever since then <laughs> yes we have it's been 10 years hasn't it i know yeah uh, the program basically the art and design program was pathway for people who wanted to go into like all the different programs in uni say the art mm. we we basically into the program and knowing ourselves wanting to do architecture true? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. I, I, I think it's weird because I feel like I don't remember the person I was before um, doing architecture. Um, what actually leads you into that thought of wanting to go into architecture? Um, I, I can't really remember um, why I wanted to do it. I, I remember um, sort of enjoying and finding science very intriguing and also enjoying art at the same time and it's such a cliche <laughs> and you know and your parents are like asian parents are like oh you know you can study architecture and i guess um i had a few friends who graduated before me and they did architecture and i and they sent me sort of like things that they were sort of doing i think one was in melbourne uni and the other was in singapore like he moved to singapore to do it and I found it really interesting and wanted to give it a go. Let's just stay in the art and design program for a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Think of this journey, do you think that it's a good program before you're going into the study and working in architecture? I think, I think that it sort of puts architecture through a lens of art and design. Mm. Um, and I mean, I, I think it's interesting because it, it gives you a whole set of tools because we had to do drawing, we had to understand composition, we had to learn about art theory and a little bit of architecture theory, um, which sort of like sets a backdrop. Yeah, didn't you? Oh. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you were right there with me in class, Gina. I don't know what you were doing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, th- I think it's an interesting sort of backdrop, which makes it interesting because I remember going, you know, first year and second year and then exploring a different side of understanding rather that architecture is related to its social and political sort of like milieu and how it's not only about 
I guess, I don't know, I guess in art and design, we studied a little bit about that as well, like the social circumstances that the arts, the, 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 the artworks were produced in and um, the sort of philosophical um, aspects to them and the political messages. I, I, throughout my whole studies, that's what I found the most interesting besides, you know, it being, because I, I don't know, I think that art and design is very, it's extremely subjective and there is no, you know, there isn't just one way to appreciate art. And I think it's good to understand different aspects of it and to allow for people to make their own judgments and to uh, create their own sort of connections to different things. I just feel like it's it's a really unusual path mm. because right after we getting into that architecture program, I was finding a little bit struggle to trying to formalize my languages into this dedicated architectural words. Can you tell me why? What about the art and design discourse that you found sort of hard to transition from? You know, like in in terms of art, like you're just basically expressing whatever you feel like expressing, but in architecture, there's a rigid way for you to demonstrate things if you know what I'm trying to say here mm. I would say architecture is more like a solution finding and creative making in its dedicated ways not like as free as art mm. that's an interesting thing because I mean I'll go back to while studying architecture we learn a lot about you know the societies that we live in mm. um, the people we design for and what constitutes architecture through an architectural lens um, so we sort of see the world through an architectural lens and everything is almost like a problem that we can solve through architecture. Um, we've, we've just essentially embodied every like idea or issue that we encounter as like a brief. <laughs> and then we use that brief to start designing or like to solve the problem. And um, I think that design influences and it plays a like a really large role, but it certainly is a like, you know, it's a reproduction of of the society it's in and it mirrors a certain product i mean i it's very interesting you said that about art because sometimes i feel that art can be freeing but for me every time i don't know why maybe it's just i'm cursed but (laughs) um but every time i try to i don't know like paint or draw or write something or i don't know just anything under the umbrella of what you would consider art i guess um, there's always, for me, a very sort of like heavy research in my head. It's never sort of freeing. It's always like, okay, if I'm going to do it, like these strokes that I'm doing it, like these the strokes that I'm painting or I don't know, like what I'm writing or something that I'm drawing, like how has it been used before and what what is this going to convey? Like maybe it's just me overthinking, <laughs> but like, oh my God. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think of the study? Just generally the studying architecture program? Um, I mean, I think, I think that it's very focused on a certain culture. Mm. We learn a lot about contemporary European sort of architecture and, well, Japanese architecture to an extent. And, you know, we, I, I didn't know that um, last year that there were these amazing sort of Vietnamese architects that I never heard of because that's just not what our education focuses on. And it focuses on a certain type of style. And I I think that, I mean, I do understand that it's only a certain amount of time and the university that we attend sort of curates as they see fit. Um, But 
I think that it's a problem on its own. Like we don't hear anything about indigenous architecture. We don't, yeah, we, it's not even mentioned. It's time to change the curriculum. I think we've gone way past the point of just reproducing the same systems over and over again and hoping for a different outcome. I mean, I think, I think it's really interesting that you framed it that, you know, we came from an art and design background, like we had to study art and design. And so they kind of, uh, it sort of implies and tells us that we are artists. We function like artists. It's like everything, like, I mean, that's, that's, that's a whole issue of its own that, you know, like when you work, you need to um, have a passion for it because if you're not dedicated enough to your work, then when you start working for a firm, the implications of, you know, creating this as a passion project that it sort of implies that if you don't stay late, if you don't put your 150% into your work, then you're not dedicated or you're not passionate about. And it sort of downplays the importance of the graduate, the worker who's working for the firm. And it perpetrates that sort of um, toxic sort of relationship that workers have with their work and the firm and their employees. Yeah, and that's, that's why you have a lot of unpaid internships. I'm not saying that that's the only reason why. I'm aware that, you know, a lot of firms can't afford paid labour, but that's, I, I think it's an issue as well that, you know, uh, employers or, like, people who start firms are not aware of business or, like, how to how to start a business up because that's not what they're being taught. No one gets taught these things. And there is no support system that sort of like teaches you how to start your own firm, I guess, or like what, what's needed, how to, um, the financial sort of like, what do you call that? Like the financial flow? Cash flow. Yeah, the, yeah, the cash flows or like the, the financial planning. Like as you mentioned so many things, one of the things is that you feel like the curriculum needs to be changed, which... I agree. Even during our time, the curriculum is uh, going through a lot of changes. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of change has happened. Um, I know that you are teaching in uni. Mm -hmm. So what, are there any changes that have happened? And as a, a tutor that going back to uni, do you have a new thoughts or like perspective coming into this program? I think I, think I, I like the way that the it's being taught i think it's good to cutting their understanding with preconceived ideas of architecture instead of showing them that no i mean we are teaching you how to think it's not about the outcome it's about the process because i guess anyone can sort of you know pick up revit and build things that kind of look like a building but i think i really enjoy um, questioning the process of like okay like why why are you designing in this site in the first place what what's happening in the context how do you respond to these different sort of aspects which are very very important in architecture because you know it's it's incorrect like it's permanent once you design a building it's going to stay there for who knows how long um and i think i think it's a very important thing to question um, movement through the space, what this building would do to the um, site. And I think that's what um, we're doing in first year, at least like in the class that I'm teaching with an incredible person called Dasha. I think it would be good if the university had a, in one of the semesters, practical experience subject where students 
would actually go into firms and work as part of their mm. like experience yeah like if students went into firms to work as they experience but i'm actually really curious like <clears throat> gina if you were to reform mm. the architectural education mm. how how would you do it like what were your ideas mm. in terms of looking back on the uh, education system, i don't know like the whole experience like you said is just it, it's a really short amount of time and it's just touching base on a lot of focusing on how you think and software learning. Mm. Oh, do you think so? Because in my master, I feel a lot more relaxed. And in terms of uh, product, final production of the presentation, it's mainly focused on a beautiful panel. There are studios that focuses on that, on um, the creation of beautiful drawings. Yeah. That's, that's the entire focus. And don't get me wrong, I mean... Those, those can be very useful, especially for like portfolio, I don't know, layouts, creations, and I guess, you know, competitions, which is a whole other issue. Um, and it does help, but having like a whole studio dedicated just to do pretty drawings. It's not just having pretty drawings and you also have to formalize your argument, mm. your presentation. That's a lot of weight into it like you you can have less pretty drawings but and or like less fancy vendors but as long as you can um, demonstrate what is up there yeah and you're trying to produce you you'll be fine when we actually progressing into work life experience um there wasn't a lot of focus of what architecture education has uh, trained me to mm. because there's a lot of money constraint coming in place and just this is the reality like it's and it, at the end of the day it, there's always a budget that constraining the design and yeah 100% I'm not saying this is not important this is yeah I, I think yeah I think it's an it's something that's that's a day-to-day -day reality that we grapple with right like the internships that I've been with or the when, when I've when I was working as a student I think I could say that I was really glad I had to learn Revit beforehand and because the people I was working with were also incredibly supportive. But I think, yeah, I was really grateful for that. Let's just move on to the post-study experience then. So yeah, I know that you are working, also working for the Victorian chapter of the architecture lobby. Um, yeah, I'm the co-steward of the Victorian chapter of the architecture lobby at the moment. Um, we're a non-for-profit organization and I mean the lobby <laughs> the lobby is we have working groups which are like campaigns where we get together and learn more about particular topics like the history of indigenous struggle we have um, a public housing uh, working group which sort of focus on public housing and how we could sort of how we could change the way that we think about public housing and to push for more public housing a short thing about the architecture lobby is we sort of, we advocate for um, the value of architecture. So the architecture lobby is an organization for architecture workers. Anyone and everyone who works within the umbrella of architecture is welcome. And we advocate for the value of architecture and the rights of workers in architecture as well. And we, we also have a climate justice. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm curious in like the reason behind this, all this decision towards um 
why you wanted to focus on all these aspects and studying the climate or like the prisons or in buildings. Mm -hmm. What are the reasons that drive you trying to understand them and a system in certain ways? I think that besides being a graduate of architecture, I'm also a person in my community, in my society. And um, this allows me to combine my sort of my commitment to to pushing for social justice. I, I just think that it is unfair for some people to be able to live luxuriously while other people are starving. I think that everyone should have the same material baseline, should not worry about where they live because that's a human right, should not worry about food because that is a human right. And um, the mo moment we commodify these sort of aspects of being human that's that's really troubling and that's I, I don't think that's right this will be an ongoing battle for some time yeah that's why and and like you know as as you know if um architects when we go onto the site we're literally the lowest paying person on the site um and one of the reasons is because i mean the um construction industry have unionized and they look after one another and i think i think that ties into later on i guess which we can share about um where i'm hoping to go i guess it's to raise the living conditions for architects and the value of architecture beyond just its financial gains you voicing out a lot on the architecture lobby which is one of your media to or your weapon to fight for the justice and equals and, and I know that you're also writing and running this magazine for Vomitous Dialogues. Yes, yeah. It is a very silly name. <laughs> it's because, you know, when we like as we are now, we're vomit like we're word vomiting. We're just sort of like talking freely. That's quite disgusting. I shall move on now. Um <laughs> it's a collaboration with one of um my closest friends, Adrian Fernandez. Who's been on this podcast, I believe? It started off as a zine, um, and we still do make zines, but we're now collaborating on a film for the Fringe Festival. Um, I guess this zine sort of started during the last years of uni. Um, we met, we were in a writing class together, and I think, like, well, what we usually do is, like, a whole group of us would be um, having discussions about the architectural discourse um, and its state and you know everything that encompasses it and I think we we're like questioning the nature of publication amongst many things and then the next day I was really keen and but he was like yeah let's do it and then we slowly started writing things and we like spoke to the people who were interested in we were like compiling all these amazing ideas into our first zine called Fear of the Other which was a collection of stories thoughts illustration around the idea of fear in particular and the othering of people. Um, and I think this was the moment when we realized that we are both colored people and we both have been in situations where we have been othered. Yeah. And this, I don't think, it's only at, at the time when we were writing this, it only started um, talk, being talked about um, in the architecture community, especially. Now it's, you know, something that's an ongoing discussion. But when we first started off, it was, we just felt like no one was really sort of taking this seriously or was talking about it. Um, so yeah, we thought we should start an independent publication 
to talk about these issues. Um, the second zine is in progress. <laughs> We're in the midst of editing, but that it has been put on halt because of our upcoming project at the Melbourne Fringe Festival. Yeah. So what is it? Tell me, tell me, tell me. <laughs> Ooh, the upcoming Fringe Festival project. It's called Source Amnesia. It's up on the Fringe website at the moment. It was intended to be a play, but it is, um, you know, due to restrictions, it is currently a film. Source Amnesia is a play, well, it's several plays slash vignettes that sort of looks into the lives of um, people of colour from their mundane interactions to the generational trauma that they live in, they live with. I'm just reading off the website because I was not prepared enough to talk about this. <laughs> um, so it, it involves um, a series of vignettes into familial tensions that occur in the day-to-day -day lives of people of colour and they're based off true stories of generational trauma, ethnic guilt, um, filial piety, and amongst, you know, a list of other issues. And it's, it's amazing. We, our, the, the actors that we were working with are amazing. And I think uh, during one of the auditions, um, we were just reading lines and we really connected with um, our actors because they've had these personal traumas and, and reading them out they oh this sounds so bad it sounds like we've just triggered them <laughs> i guess we had but like um to to have that connection where like where you know they said that they've experienced the exact same thing just perhaps in a slightly different circumstance and reading out the lines were like reliving those experiences and i think the reason why this is um, important to us is because we we don't grow up talking about this yeah. even though we experience a similar sort of issues and i think i think it's good to put this out there not just for us to sort of get together and connect with one another and say hey i've gone through the exact same thing and to make you know other people who have gone through the exact same thing feel like they are not isolated um alienated or alone that someone else has gone through this too um, but it's also to like parents, like watch this. This is what you've done to us. <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna cry when I watch your film. Oh, I I guess we'll watch it together over like all one or like so. I hope we'll you know get to watch it IRL. <laughs> but yeah, we'll see how the restrictions turn out. So when you're speaking of that, I actually these days I was thinking about this concept of uh, basically the called roadmap to adolescence. Mm. Yeah, so this idea is basically everyone is more or less struggling in the in the path of being a normal adult, and you, most of the time you are very lost and lonely. But it doesn't really need to because there's people that has been through it more or less, and there's a roadmap somehow. I guess you are the roadmap in this scenario, like indicating you know this is the possibility heading towards one end. Where we're heading to. That's that's very sweet of you to say that it's a right map. I, I hope so. I mean, I don't think I don't think there's one way to live your life. I think there are multitudes of ways, and like, I I just hope that this can connect to someone and to just tell them that you're not the only one going through this. You're not alone. That all of us are struggling through this, and we're struggling together. Um, and I know that I found family with my friends. Um, you are one of them. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And this, this, um, this is also about that. 
the, this play is also about um, the appreciation of friendship and how they also are family besides just blood family, I guess. Is that what you call that? I guess that's what you call it. Extended family. Extended family. Oh, so touching. <laughs> okay, so I know that you're like having millions of different interests. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I know that there was a time you also studied philosophy. Are you still in the philosophy field? Yeah, I was, I was planning to do a master's in philosophy because, um, well, throughout uni, um, you know, we've referenced a lot of philosophers and studies, um, but we've never really, well, I never really understood if what I was reading was correct, because I guess we didn't really have that support <laughs> at university, that sort of support, um, or if I've just completely missed the ball. Um, and then I found out about the MSCP, the Melbourne School of Continental, Continental Philosophy, which is an amazing organisation. Um and started attending classes. They have night classes. They have like summer classes. It's it's really cool. It's really good. Everyone should go to them um, if you're interested in continental philosophy. And then recently, I started attending the Melbourne School of Political Economy, which sort of. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> but they're just like yeah, they're just sort of like night sort of tutorials and classes and lectures that you can listen to, and they give you like a reading because I think I mean I think everyone can sort of study on their own. If you're interested in economy, you can like pick up any book and sort of read it, but the reason why I think that this is important and is really good is because you have someone sort of like guiding you and helping you through these, through these thinking and thoughts, I guess, to help you understand them instead of you just like struggling through it. It's almost like um, if you don't speak Chinese and you get like thrown into, I don't know, China and you have to like figure out road signs, you have to figure out the language, you have to figure out your way through it all by yourself alone. I think that's incredibly difficult, but if you had a guide, that's what the MS MSPE is like, a guide through these thoughts. Do all these experiences look back into your architecture making in some way, do you think? Definitely. Every time I sort of, well, in, in the past, you know, in, at uni, I think a lot of what inspired me was looking at these concepts, ideas and realities and sort of figuring out how to design to it what is the role of architecture within the system within these sort of other sort of fields I guess that it's not an yeah that it's not an isolated sort of field and I I really enjoy that because working at a firm right now and and you know like being really sort of like into the section j in the ncc and understanding like hvac systems and like reading Chekhov um, it introduced me to so reading Chekhov and like um, in one of the stories you're talking about the Russian stove and how um, the the grandparents would be cooking on the stove and then the whole family would climb up to that bed that's above the stove um, because it's the heating system for the house and in cold Russian winters you have like families that are huddled together above the stove and that that's an architectural space and I think that sort of inspired me to get more intrigued about HVAC systems and how we can store thermal energy and reuse it in different ways. It's very interesting. I feel like the, it, generally, I really think that the sustainability making in, in the architecture construction is, or design in Australia is not up to a certain standard for, to, this, to use the word sustainability. This is just, uh, yeah, something is missing in here. I, I completely agree. And, like, we're only looking at it from one lens, right? Like, mm. it's only now that we're questioning, like, is this sort of 
way of looking at things the same things like what does the word sustainability even mean does that mean like you know in your materiality are you trying to reach to it's like zero carbon emission is it sort of like passive systems that you're using and I, th I think I think it's it's difficult to design to because you're given like a certain time frame to design to and um, firms would obviously try to like design in like the fastest amount of time and then that information gets lost and then budget gets cut so I think which is why I think unionizing is very important because if we sort of are on the same page um, with a similar agenda then we can fight a way forward right now I think there are individuals and and like well-meaning individuals who are sort of fighting but it's incredibly dispersed and it doesn't kick off with the right amount of momentum forward yeah I think but I think you know I think that everyone it's good that people are engaged and people have different sort of opinions I think I think instead of picking at uh, the arguments of how it wouldn't work maybe focus on the sort of like the general goal and like what is the intersection of the ideas and how we can move forward instead of picking on like how things won't work I guess I'll say that activism in architecture is well intentioned but it's still very individualistic we've discussed where questions like where does architecture sit amongst activism and how it plays an active role in change we have to be united in order for change to happen and we are united by our shared work experience and conditions are you reading from your writing <laughs> maybe <laughs> you're already leaking out the content of the zine number two is it <laughs> no no this this is um a discussion that we have at um, the architecture lobby um, zine number two is about i guess the COVID and virtual experience which everyone else is doing we thought we should put our two cents into it. Oh, I don't know. Yes, so activism. So what do you suggest to go next? A platform for people to voice their thoughts and opinions. Well, that's what Vomitous Dialogue is, is doing. We sort of work together with people who have amazing ideas, but say they, are, um, they don't feel like they're up to writing something on their own. So they want to like write with someone or talk through ideas and workshop them and we we love doing that with people so i guess that's your next step creating a more solid platform and create a union yeah there, there's a union for architects it's the professionals australia join it and the ntu they're they're actually the ones that um they're the ones that negotiate our wages every single year when the awards come out they meet with the um employees the group that represents the employees and they sort of negotiate for our pay rise and our circumstances for our, our work what about the other area that you're interested in exploring what is next is it, i know that you have like thousand billion dollars i do i do yeah. um but what is the next one that in order wow the fact that you think that i'm so organized that i've got something <laughs> <laughs> that i know what's next is a thank you <laughs> um I, I think I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing right now. I think I want to get registered as an architect. Mm -hmm. I'd love to work in a different country as an, like as a graduate, as an architecture graduate, because um, I'm interested in how the different cultures in architecture in different, different, like different countries yeah. and the different building and construction systems that exist within them. Um, yeah, and like the interaction between like councils and clients and the whole integration with services and consultants. 
um, I actually find that incredibly interesting. I'd still like to push and see where I end up. It might, I might call you in a year and say <laughs> that was a terrible idea, but I'll never regret it because then now I know it's a terrible idea. <laughs> um, I, I think I think there is space for people to jump in on to learn. I think I think now's the right time. Big questions of is it what you wanted as for now? Well, I I don't really. I th- I think I I get inspired by different things and then I just kind of explore that. Um, so right now I'm still um, working, actualize like um, making sure that everything runs smoothly for um, <laughs> Souls Amnesia, and I'm not thinking about next at the moment, especially in the current pandemic. I think it's it's just going to add to anxiety if you keep thinking about what's going to happen next and like if that's going to fit in with you know your thoughts and ideas. So I think right now, just focusing on what's existing is important. I'm going to end it with a amazing poem. I'm not going to read it out because I'm going to butcher it. Do it, do it. <laughs> no, it's pretty long. It's, 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 it's called um, Failing and Flying. It's by Jack Gilbert. Go read it. It's, it's amazing. Well, the, the first line is, um, everyone forgets that Icarus also flew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to read it out. That's, that's it. That's it. <laughs> oh, that is like really tempting, man. <laughs> Now I've just started it. You've you've got to. This is like really <laughs> read it. Yep, gonna plant it in there. Okay. <laughs> okay. Cool. <laughs> Thank you, Gina. So, any closing of comments? Um, letter to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Stop. Stop being so judgmental towards yourself. I guess because everything you you learn through everything. Okay. Last little bit. Yeah. Any social media handles that you want to use and to podcast or marketing your zine and the film? Yes, go to the Fringe, Melbourne Fringe website and type in um, Source Amnesia. That's S-O-U-R-C-E-A-M-N-E-S-I-A. Um, and watch our show. Well, play, film, thing. I don't, yeah, thing. <laughs> um, and we are at Vomitous Dialogues on Instagram. I'm not very active on social media but come and say hi i guess thanks so much bella for again for joining us on this special series if you're interested in bella's journey you can find bella in the upcoming melbourne fringe festivals false amnesia yeah bella's social media accounts that's the romatus dialogues yeah we will link those in our notes Otherwise, if you're interested in other topics that you would like us to explore, please send us a message via Instagram at Archimus in the Making. This special episode was recorded and produced by your special host, Gina Her. Woohoo! Hi, stay safe. We'll see you in the next time. Bye! Bye.